Good morning. You're listening to Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. We, uh, we're doing a show requested by a client today, which mm-hmm. is fun because we invite listeners at the end of every show to uh, send in questions or comments or ideas for podcasts. And this one comes from a dear friend and client uh, who asked us to do a show on divorce mm-hmm. or separation. Yeah. Um, so I know you've got the list of notes in front of you. So if you want to take it away, I will follow your organized lead. Mm-hmm. This came about, um, she asked me to do the show um, because she has been a client for years, and uh, seven. And through her process of, her, of a marriage breaking apart, mm-hmm. a relation, uh, her relationship, um, many different things happened. And over those seven years, she went through periods of time where she was doing treatments fairly regularly at the beginning. And then over that, the extended period of years after that, that she continued doing treatments. And so she said to me one day, I think you need, you need to talk about the benefits of somebody seeing you on a regular basis and over an extended period of time. And what happens and how different attributes and different gifts that we have came into play at different times for her and how she changed, how even in her sessions, she changed focus, Mm -hmm. how she got to know what you and I are capable of doing with these gifts and how she got to use it to her advantage. Right. Extending into career, extending into her care for her kids who are adults. I I don't mean that she's taking care of them, but just, just in a way that she could mother, she was looking to mother differently. Well, as she exemplify. Yeah. Healthiness. Yeah. And and how it helped her in career decisions. So um, she actually called and I took out a pen and paper and she went through in her head what she would say to other people as to wh- how it benefited her to come and see me. And she also made comments too that she was going through therapy at different times during these periods of time and how therapy was doing one thing for her. And how the treatments were doing something different for her, that there were uh, that there were different purposes and she was seeing the difference as she was going through the years. Mm-hmm. So complimentary services. Yeah, which I thought was super cool. Um, okay, so she called and she had a list. She literally had it all organized in her head as to where she saw benefits to to these to these sessions Mm -hmm. so that's what I've got written in front of me and I'm going to go through some of them um from her perspective but also during this show I wanted for us to add our own perspective to to this um because I know that you and I learn from all of these different um channeling sessions for people I think this is um a really neat way to approach a show uh, because it's a client's list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's important because a lot of people don't know how to refer to us and are very hesitant if they if they don't feel like they really know someone, um, how to say, I see a medium, would you be open to it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so to have a, like a kind of a formalized list where they mm-hmm. feel comfortable going through, almost like a cocktail line, right? That mm-hmm. business people have to prepare <laughs> to pitch themselves. There's a level of comfort in knowing that if she can talk about these seven reasons she comes, mm-hmm. uh, there's a justification or um, a logic to it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people can't or don't understand the logic behind these gifts. They yeah. think it's just flighty or they think it's just... Um, 
an opinion and a, a spiritual experience that not everyone can or does have yeah uh, so it's neat to see because she's I mean she's a powerhouse career woman oh yeah uh, who has kind of blended both both worlds and she is a she's a spiritual person she's a religious person there's a there are lots of different aspects of her mm-hmm. and she has worked so hard on developing her religious beliefs along with her spiritual beliefs mm-hmm. um and her career and mothering and being a friend to somebody um like anyway very a, a person who really works hard at awakening yeah okay well when I when we I think when we had part of this conversation, I must have asked her the question as to why she came to see me to begin with, because the first thing on her list has to do with health issues. So medical intuitive and energy healing mm-hmm. in that one, Kelly, um, she's also seeing her doctors. So there was a very clear um, this is a person who takes teams to to approach her health. Right. So she was seeing medical people. She was seeing a therapist and a marriage counselor as she was going through this divorce procedure. When she saw me, the, this was at, at the very beginning. This was at the beginning of the separation. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't divorced. She was just going through process. She just knew at this point that the marriage had broken. I'll say formally. Okay. So when she presented herself in the first session, lots of medical intuitive information came through. And she needed the energy healing to get her through some of that in combination with what the medical community could do to help her. Yeah. So are we talking about pain? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, I... I guess in some of the shows, we really go into detail saying what all their medical conditions were. Um, I don't know that that's important. I want to keep this broad enough so that people can understand that they can still get relief with stress through energy healing. That's and that's fine. And mm-hmm. Kanye West, I'll let you continue, but just just a moment here. I think it's important and really neat that she mentioned that first. Yeah, because I think for people who are hesitant to come or aren't really sure if it's for them, uh, the physical issue is what gets them through the door because it, it's it either hits a crisis point yeah uh, or they really have kind of hit a brick wall or a dead end uh, with other professionals who either can't give them a vocabulary can't give them a solution mm-hmm. to their pain mm-hmm. so they come in wanting or thinking that they need to address that first mm-hmm. and then probably the rest of your list mm-hmm. uh, sort of envelops well, over time y- yes because when she first arrives for her treatment um, oh, I, I think what happened was, and you know, remember, she, this is her memory, and I'm hoping that I'm just saying it properly on her behalf, that she was experiencing quite a few medical problems with that are stress-related. So they are still physical problems. Yeah. And that can be digestion. That can be headaches. It can be, I don't know how to cope in my job. I'm stressed out. I can't think clearly. Or I think I am, but I know I'm stressed on top of it. Um. I'm not sleeping. I am. And, and, you know, and some people might think, what? What do you mean? Energy healing helps with all of that? Yes. It helps with all of those things. It helps balance the body in the energy systems so that the, what the doctors and what medicine and what a surgery or drugs and all those other things can do, the energy healing is about how your body uh, processes it. So... 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's neat. I'm kind of thinking of a construction metaphor. So if, oh, if cool. you're if you're thinking about someone coming in and, and wanting to lay down more pavement and kind of steam that so it's it's fresh and, and smooth, <clears throat> but there's roadblocks literally sitting in the middle of the of the road, that steamroller can't get through to make a nice smooth path. Mm-hmm. So the energy healing is essentially what comes in to remove all the roadblocks mm-hmm. so that the steamroller can still do its job and get that that flow. Oh, I love that. That's lovely. It, because it really says, as we we reiterate in a lot of the shows, is that we want to work in teams with other professionals. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with saying that we think we should be replacing anything. It, it's, it bo- All of it are necessary things because it's, as we've always said, it's a whole human being. Mm-hmm. So when she came in, there was a really strong need to help with the stress factors and that um, getting some answers um, from the spirit world as to why she was going through some of this. And that doesn't mean blaming an ex-husband. That doesn't mean blaming a a legal system. It doesn't mean that there's got to be blame anywhere. It just simply meant that she was looking for the truth. She just wanted to hear it from a perspective that either was right that she may have had or one that maybe she wasn't able to see yet. Uh And she was this type of client that was open to hearing all of those possibilities. So um, what aspect of this do I need to learn a lesson from for me? Because if I'm not fixing anything anymore and it's over, how, what, what tools do I get to go forward? And yes, she's seeing a therapist that's giving her a toolkit. And she's also coming here to see what her own spirit can help her with in another toolkit as well. So again, not replacing the one that a therapist can give her, but how do we add to all of these things? In a similar way that you might show up and say it to a girlfriend and she says, well, this is what I went through and this is what I did. That can add to your toolkit too if, it, if it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she came back repetitively for some physical relief in those sessions, particularly at the beginning, and to hear truths and to hear different perspectives. One of the things that she asked me to write down on the page was that it was an opportunity for self-reflection and that her spirit guides were always coming in to offer her that self-reflection in a place where she felt safe and where she felt that there was quite often a sense of humor mm-hmm. because she has a wicked sense of humor. So the guides reflected that right back at her. She has a, a really neat, um, dark irony. <laughs> oh, yeah. And not just about the way that she had behaved in her marriage herself, but she, but being self-reflective to see how she participated in what her partner's patterns had been. Yeah. Or what kind of patterns could that have created for our children? Mm-hmm. And so here comes another point. Was the, were the contracts between her and her partner and how they had now come to an end? And could that necessarily mean that if we don't put a blame anywhere, can I, can I take those lessons? Can I take who I am? And can I grow from that? And how can I do that in a way that... Um, that love that is loving and that tipped right into her spirituality and did it tip into any of her religious beliefs and could all of those come together and meld for her I you know and she she's a knitter 
So when I think when I'm talking about her right now, I think, oh, that's kind of like how she sits and knits. So if you're pulling in different threads or different, different colors into your pattern, how do you take all of those different aspects and weave a treatment Mm -hmm. and weave those sessions? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I like that too. I'm thinking of much rougher things. This is funny. Oh, go. Well, you're just talking about something being over. And I, I picture like a couple in a car together. And she's in the driver's seat, obviously. Going down a, like a, um, a dead end where you got a sign that says no exit. And then the the couple just going like, we'll just, just keep driving through the sign. Drive at the sign. And it's just, I'm just going to bulldoze it over. You end up in a bush and you've got to figure out that there's no path and you're figuring out that this is all just harsh and I'm bulldozing through everything, right? Mm. You're damaging the car, you're damaging everything. Uh, And it's just, it's it's rough and it's angry. Instead of looking, you know, arriving at the no exit sign, dropping your husband off or your wife off, (laughs) turning around and getting back to the home, getting back to the self on your own, right? It's, It's smoother. And there are proper road signs and there are proper directions. And, and like, it's just, it's a much yeah. easier ride to just turn around and go home yeah. uh, in a healthy sense without the other person. Oh, and I like that because going home can literally be your own physical home with your yeah. children and recreating it now. Or just back to you. Yeah. Yeah. And back to the children or your friends or your job and who you are as you go back into those things. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love your analogy. Thanks. I feel crazy sometimes. (laughs) No, that's so good because I think people can go, oh my God, it is a car wreck. (laughs) I did bulldoze down that sign. (laughs) And how many times for some people Mm -hmm. in an effort to go forward, Mm -hmm. right? Well, and I think too, if, if you're going with that analogy, if you're sitting in the driver's seat and you can hear your partner going, just drive through the sign. Oh, Do you not at some point look at them like, what the fuck did you just say? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And that's essentially what you're doing when you agree to not talk about the problems, when you agree to um, either overlook them and just, like, again, push through everything um, to, quote unquote, make it work. You're not making it work. You're, you're You're just choosing hard. Can I throw some things in there, Kelly, like where a partner could say, I don't read? So uh, if you're asking them to work on the relationship and they go, well, I don't read, I don't, I, I don't read books. So there's a refusal to access information and help. I don't believe in therapy. Uh, there's again, another refusal to say, I won't listen to anything anybody else has to say about me. I don't have time to put headphones in and listen to an audiobook. Right. Yeah, I won't listen. I don't want to talk about that right now. Mm-hmm. There's so many invitations that we give each other to to sort of continue or to grow in a relationship mm-hmm. when you're hit with those roadblocks. Yeah. Well, I remember saying to one man in one treatment where he, he had come and the guides had said that he was the one that was putting up all the roadblocks. He was the one that was saying, and this just happened to be a male. There are lots of women that do the same thing. But he said, uh, or the guide said to me, he says he will not read. And she's asked him to share like even a line in a book and then talk about that one line, but he won't even read one line for her. And then they showed me how he goes to work and he has to read the union's manual. He has to read reports and that he is literate and he does go to work to read because Mm -hmm. there are consequences. Mm -hmm. And so the guide said to me, 
kick him in the fucking ass and say something to him about the fact that if he goes to work, he bloody well will read, Mm -hmm. but that he says to his wife, he won't read. And that's his way to have control over that relationship saying, I will not work on anything. If you're staying, you're staying with the status quo. I'm doing dick all. Mm -hmm. Either stay and shut your mouth or get out. But he won't actually say get out. He'll just say, I won't do anything. Mm -hmm. And so the guides came through, totally kicked him in the ass. And I said to him, so I'm being told you are literate. Is that correct? Yes. I'm told that when you go to work, you read manuals, you read reunion reports, blah, blah. Yes. And I said, well, why is that? Oh my God, Karen, if I don't read at work, I'll get fired. If I don't read at work, my boss will shit down my face. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's the wrong not really expression. the same, but okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. We're going with harsh. That's all good. Okay. Um, so he it, it, literally what he was basically saying was, and I saw his whole facade right in front of me. Um, of course I read, Karen. I go to restaurants and I read menus because I want food. Mm-hmm. So I looked and I said, well, so you want food, you want your job, you want money. So you have identified in all of those relationships that you want something. So you're reading because you have to in order to get what you want. But when it comes to the marriage, the relationship, the commitment, the statements of love, you are unwilling to read, even if she's only asking you to read one paragraph or one sentence. So you're basically saying there is nothing in that relationship you want. Someone hit pause right now. Right. Yeah, because it's it, like, I totally get that now. I, I see it clearly. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me and he went, well, shit. You caught me. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. He just looked at me. He, oh, well, I never thought of it that well. It's not interesting that because you didn't think of it that way. You bothered to infer that if you didn't read the manual, you could get fired. You bothered to think about it that way in one situation. Yes. What's number two on the list? Oh, I just, just loved it. Number Okay, next on the list was that she came to have to do check-ins with um, her children's spirits during this process. Process meaning the divorce. Process meaning a new life, a new beginning, a new home, new routines, new beliefs. She decided through this process that she wanted to revamp everything. Mm -hmm. So as she was going to do that, if she was going to change the rules in the home, I now need you guys to do the shoveling with me. I now need you to cook dinner with me. I'm driving. I'm doing all of this. I don't have a partner. My workload has just increased. So as we go through these changes, their lives and their workloads had to increase and change too. Mm -hmm. so she wanted to do check-ins with their spirit and say how are they doing and so she also learned the value of doing the spirit the the check-in with their spirit but what do my kids respond well to that I've missed out on and as they're going through this change because she had to come she came to realize in this period that she wasn't the only one going through a change so were they and I think that's something we sometimes overlook when we're the parent and going through that process, we know they are, but we don't really sit and check in with them to see how they're doing. So she wanted to check in with them verbally, and she wasn't sure how to do it. And she asked their spirits how she could create those check-ins with her kids. 
I think that's neat because I've had a lot of, um, I think I've used the word neat like six times in this podcast, but I've had a lot of uh, mothers who will come in and say, I want to check in on my kids. Are they okay? Are they going to be okay? And I think that's such an awful question because it, it, it doesn't clarify anything. No, they're not going to be okay. They're not going to, they're not always going to be okay. That Life happens, right? We have our ups and downs moment to moment. So if you can actually check in and ask a better question about how can I approach a conversation to ask them what their needs are, then you can sort of actually help them on the way to being okay, mm-hmm. right? You can, you can be a team together instead of just saying in general because that's, that's defeating, Mm -hmm. um and she she sat and asked actual questions to say what can I do for them Mm -hmm. how can I engage them um what can I make sure they respond to so that we're all getting what we need yeah and what came through and like and I didn't know this family so what came through was like what sports they liked each of the each of the children when they needed their downtime when they needed their time with her so if it was that they went right from school right into a school sport, but that she came to watch them and that when they drove home together, that was their time before they got in the door. Because then it's dinner time, shower time, homework, and on and on. Feed the dog, walk the dog, and that there wasn't this, they weren't always in the same space. They were in the same location, house, but they weren't in the same space in the house. Mm -hmm. So the drive home became turn the radio off and have a good conversation. Check in about the day. What kind of questions can I ask to do a good check-in, Karen? Well, don't just say, how was your day? Ask more specific questions. What was the challenge today? Did you have anxiety today? Did you, um, are there any reports or are there any schoolwork or is there anything you need picked up? How about just, and like light questions too, Mm -hmm. you know? Who were you thankful for today? Mm-hmm. Who made you smile today? Oh, yeah. What did you learn? Yeah. What did you like about the volleyball game? What did you, you know, what hit was the best one that you enjoyed? I saw two or three of them. Um, and, you know, and someone could say a certain one was, but hers was a different one. So you could show differences, but also enjoy the differences. Mm-hmm. One wasn't better than the other. You just had a difference of opinion. But teaching her kids that differences of opinions could be fun. Yeah? Oh, I, oh, I just yeah. I, I just absolutely loved it because the sessions that went around those types of conversations helped her where she, like almost like her guides through me offered her a replacement for her spouse as a partner to bounce things off of or to get new ideas. And I, I really appreciated that she saw it that way, not that it was my personal opinion as another woman, but that it was, she was checking in with their spirit, her own spirit, her guides to help and give her all of those things. Cool. Because she had lost a partner. She had lost something. She had lost a relationship. So she was looking for creating new relationships. Oh, and strengthening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another one was she asked me to ask the spirit guides what the contract was between her and her spouse. And I, if I, and I don't remember specifically in her case, but I want to throw one out for people to listen to today. The, the contract can be something horrible. It can be your spouse is supposed to have an affair. You were supposed to have the affair. You, the marriage was supposed to end after five years and you went to 10. 
and it was like, but you knew, you both knew for the last five years, it's been hell. Uh-huh. Or you didn't know it was hell, but it was for them. And that, and they shut down and withheld. And there are the patterns. So the contracts gave some closure as to that, it, what makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, no one wants to believe that you were contracted to be cheated on. No, that's who, right. And, you know, there's a lot of things we don't want to believe that we were contracted to experience. Yeah. And I and maybe you take more comfort in knowing that you were contracted to cheat. Uh, and I don't know if that takes away some of the guilt. I'm not sure. But no matter which way you approach it, mm-hmm. there can be relief to know, OK, we're on track. So what was I supposed to learn from it? Yeah. And it's not it's not to make it okay it's not to condone the behavior and say Mm -hmm. I need to be accepted being treated that way that's not what I mean by what can I learn it's simply about the tools to go forward yeah yeah and just to understand too maybe an acknowledgement for some people when they hear well your contract actually was that this wasn't a marriage for the for your whole life you actually wrote in two partners and they go oh thank god and they get relief at something. They and, feel hope again yep. for a new beginning. And I think it's important to note that some people feel hope just as hopeful when they hear you wrote in no partner. Oh my God, yes. You wrote that you wanted to be single in this life, that your yeah. partner will be your dog or your partner will be a work wife or work husband. Yeah, or a friend. Yeah. Or your grandmother. Yeah, that your soulmate and that we've we've done plenty of shows on what soulmates are, mm-hmm. that that can be the contract for a partner. Mm-hmm. Or, or And here's one I learned that after the ending of a marriage, that my partners could be all of my clients. They could be my sister in a nursing home with dementia. They could be so many different people at different times for different purposes and that I wasn't bound to one significant one anymore. Mm-hmm. And that that gave me a different perspective to connect in different ways and uh, with different people and mm-hmm. value it. Yep. Really sit presently and value every single one. Which is such a good thing to know and to feel because if you have isolated yourself in a partnership, then what? And I had in how, some degree. How do you yeah. have connections to other people or yeah. even be able to begin to accept that, that notion when the significant other that you've placed the weight on mm-hmm. to be everything is no longer there? Yeah. Yeah. Number four. Um, I was hearing her thoughts. And one of the things that she said to me about hearing thoughts was what tremendous relief it gave her that she would ask a question, but she'd have like 10 thoughts behind it. And that created anxiety. Mm -hmm. It created confusion. It created memory loss in her, where she would go to work, and she'd have 10 of these thoughts swimming in her head, almost constantly, why did he do this to me, blah, 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 all these thoughts. But then she has to take phone calls, she's got to get through a a business day. Mm -hmm. Or she might be out with her girlfriends, and all of these thoughts are humming in the back of her mind as she's trying to have a dinner with her friends. Mm-hmm. And that what happened during the session, the one particular session, or maybe I'm saying one particular session, and it's over all of them, was that when she realized that I could hear her thoughts, she felt more and more relief as the sessions went on that her needs would be met. And that the anxiety could go away in that process. She felt comfort. 
So instead of the opposite, oh, freak, somebody can hear my thoughts, there's no privacy, shit, stress, 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 with that idea, it brought comfort and an ease. My needs will be met, my answers will, my questions will be answered. I think one of the things that happens when you have someone who can hear thoughts is yours are jumbled and they happen so quickly and they often don't complete each other. Oh or, my God, Sorry, yeah. each one of them is not necessarily completed before the other one begins. Right. And so you're not even really sure how you started and then ended up somewhere. Um, but the person who can hear your thoughts can actually slow down time to be able to pick them all out and actually organize them for you. Yes, because you and I don't have their anxiety. Right. So even if they are jumbled, we can hear the first thought and say, it led you to this one. But the anxiety developed because as you had the second thought, there was an assumption that you didn't even think of. It just happened subconsciously about what that would mean. And then it went to four different places all at once. Right. Right. And so how do they articulate that chain of events when it happens in three seconds. Yes. So to have someone organize it for them, repeat it back to them and say, I understand your anxiety. There's so many things that happen there to make you feel, as you said, relief. Oh, yeah. The relief, the anxiety that goes away. Then all of a sudden you feel sure of yourself. There's confidence that comes back. And I do believe that when you have it explained or broken down for you, frequently, because you're talking about the fact that she's come several times over the years, you begin to, if you're actually listening to the the practitioner, you begin to start to be able to organize your own thoughts. Even though they're happening just as fast as the first time and you still might have anxiety, there's a process that's explained to you, almost like sitting in math class and you're given a formula. You might not get it the first day. Three months later, you're like, oh, I understand why the formula exists. And now I know how to plug in the numbers. Mm-hmm. Right. And it becomes just something that you know how to do. Mm-hmm. And that, that you, I mean, you can take that into simple addition and multiplication, but it has to be explained first. Mm-hmm. And you need a couple of examples to actually get, get into the groove. Well, and she had some thoughts and everybody does. I'm just saying she in this case, but I mean, when I say she, I don't mean this one particular person anymore. I'm rolling a whole bunch of clients into her now. Sometimes when we're hearing someone else's thoughts, oh, I lost my thought. That's fun. Give me a sec. Uh (laughs) No, it's just gone, eh? (laughs) Okay. Want to go to number five? (laughs) Oh, it helped me see her patterns. Okay. So then she started recognizing and we started working together in recognizing patterns. And you just described one by using the math. Right. So that, except maybe we don't always look at math as patterns. Well, bed mass. Oh, perfect. If you're given an actual problem to solve and you're given the formula of bed mass, then you know how to approach each different individual piece. Right. So I don't even know if that's still relevant, but that might date me. (laughs) At 28 years old? They might go, yeah, they disproved that theory. Okay. Yeah, that's true enough. Uh, Anyway, so one of the other things that she said to please write down and to talk to people about was a willingness once the anxiety moved away, because we were, I was able to hear her thoughts, that she was then able to notice that some of the physical issues started to reside. The sorry, reside or go away. Okay settle down the the um the digestive issues the headaches all of the physical symptoms started to shift and change and settle Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Um, and I think, you know, medical people can, can, I would say, back that up, that stress will make an existing medical situation worse. It exacerbates. Right. So you can go back down to it being calmer. But for people who have never had medical issues, were very healthy, and the stress of a divorce or that kind of a change in life just brought on a whole bunch of brand new things, that the the process of the energy healing, but also using all of the other gifts in all of these sessions, shifted everything as a whole. Not just one one incident or one gift, but all of them did. Right. Okay. Um, she said one of the things that she that she loved and that she wanted me to talk about was that going through all of the different sessions taught her the benefits of doing hard work, hmm. of this of what hard work means in self-evaluating, but also evaluating the other person, evaluating if they gaslit you, if they created confusion, if they did things to you that you could sit back and see a pattern in. So in doing that hard work so that you actually saw the partner for who they really were instead of what you wanted to hold on to. Mm -hmm. So if I want to hold on to a family then what am I willing to sort of overlook for the value of I want a house and I want a family unit that stays together? But I'm going to overlook that he won't read, that he won't go to therapy, that he won't or she won't seek help. So she she said, please write down and talk to people about the value of doing your own work. Hmm. I, I just love that. I... I I loved it because I think sometimes when you have a partner, male or female, that is refusing to do the work, and you and I have described work in many different ways now, how much that really means that they really are brick walling you. Oh my gosh, yeah. That they really have, as you said, dead ending. You know, and I think if if you're if you're met with that situation, you can relate not wanting to do hard work to any hobby that you've ever had, any passion that you've ever had. Um, and I, I think I choose sports because a lot, stereotypically, a lot of men gravitate towards sports and, and prior, like valuing and, and, men, and prioritizing and women. it. Yeah. And so if, you ha- if you're having someone who is doing a little bit of the work and they're like, well, I'm just exhausted all the time. It's such hard work. Well, yeah, but so so are the teams that put in the hours and hours a week to perfect a craft, mm-hmm. right? If you start playing an instrument, your fingers are aching at the beginning and that's hard work. You don't, because you love it, because like you said with that that example mm-hmm. before, he wanted something out of it. Mm-hmm. He was willing to put in the hard work. Yeah. And over time, it becomes second nature. So if you're being taught these new tools and they're difficult to recall right away or they're difficult to implement right away, consistency and time are so important and they're the two things that I constantly say to life coaching clients Mm. you need time to see consistency Mm -hmm. or to be consistent so that you can actually see changes and so that you can actually value the hard work that you're doing it becomes less exhausting as it's just that second nature behavior Mm -hmm. well one of her comments too was that the sessions helped her see past the illusions Mm mm-hmm um, that she that she wanted to hold on to, um, and that and the sadness that that brought. That that not only did she just see the illusion and what that did 
to her, but what it did to her children, mm-hmm. what it did to him is as well, and how it affected her and the kids and all of those other relationships. So a, a big thing about the illusions too, was what, what was she holding on to? What was the cost? What was the cost in her own self-esteem mm-hmm. to overlook those things? What was she asking the kids to do in order to not have to deal with that issue? So say if the spouse comes in the door and they're miserable and they're cranky every day, do you have to overlook that mood? Do you have to keep the kids happy? Do you have to keep the house clean? Do you have to cook dinner? Do you have to do, what do you have to do to manage the mood? So that it doesn't become explosive or, or the opposite. Or something obvious that you have to face. Yeah. Or confront. Yeah. And I say you're the opposite because sometimes people think, well, he doesn't hit me. Well, he doesn't scream and yell. I don't know what she's talking about. I don't have that. Low can be bar. The, it, well, yeah, but it, because it can be the opposite. It can be the withholding. It can be the a look. It can be withdrawing to the computer it can be withdrawing to the tv all night Mm -hmm. it can be withdrawing from doing homework with the kids or going to their events or going to the events and being talking to all the other parents and and the avoidance of spending any time with you in some of the sessions some things came up about being codependent too and um quite often when we're codependent we don't see it as such we think it as partnership and there is a, a, a line between a partnership and a codependent. So healthy or unhealthy. And the spirit guides gave her solid examples of when she crossed the line mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in, that, in that particular partnership, which has allowed her to go forward with a check system now to see in other relationships. And I don't just mean with men. I mean, as an employer, as a boss, as a friend, as a daughter, and all those other relationships where she crosses the line with somebody. Um, she talked about the books that were re- she was recommended to read in the sessions, and that over all those years, there have been many, many authors who have come her way to educate her, like about Melody Beattie with Codependent No More, Patricia Evans. In verbal abuse, the verbally abusive relationship, controlling people, so that she could see uh, those those codependent behaviors in the conversations and in the behaviors. Lots of good authors came in to help her, psychiatrists, like in all different types of backgrounds too, mm-hmm. so that she could dissect some of the conversations, in particular that were the repeated conversations. Mm -hmm. How come I have to ask you eight times? How come we're having the same argument again? But then how she could take that kind of a conversation and see where the different, the 15 different forms of verbal abuse came in. So if he's withholding that he actually knows and he's aware that this conversation has happened 15 other times, then that's a withholding. Does there, is there diverting? Is there, and, and so on and so on with all the types of verbal abuse. So the process gave her an education. And the education extended outside of the two of us and the spirit world to the different authors that the guides were coming through referring her to. I think that goes right back into what you're talking about, about um, doing the hard work. Yeah. The importance of doing that. And it goes back to a lot of examples where you said, you know, I don't read. Yeah. It's whether or not you're going to choose to empower yourself with knowledge mm-hmm. uh, and better tools, or if you're just going to 
you know, drive right through that no exit sign. Well, it's it's so cool, eh, Kelly? Because here she is saying that now that there's a break in the marriage, she's she's finding more and more tools than she had when she was in the marriage. So even at the point when you're in the marriage, sometimes you can be reading those books and you can be practicing. But if you have a don't have a partner that's going to match your effort, you still aren't in a healthy relationship. Mm. You're still codependent. <laughs> and yeah. some of us try to fight that one. Yeah, I think it's, this is just one thing coming to mind. And if it's not relevant, you can let me know and I can even edit it out. Um, Eric and I were looking at houses the other day and we went into a house I was not particularly excited about. And he asked me to come back down into the basement, which is not usable. It's just, it's bedrock and a little bit of storage. We went down and I had vocalized my opinion about not, not liking it. And he goes, oh, the, the basement is good for like uh, storage if you put it in Tupperware and you put it off the floor for a bit. And I, I looked at him and I said, would you get tired and annoyed of the fact that I'm telling you right now I would not come down here? That if we needed something from this basement, I would not be willing to come down here ever. And there was a conversation about roles. There was a conversation about expectations. Um, and that that tool, if you want to word it that way, would always fall on him. Would that exhaust him? And he mm -hmm. got to evaluate whether or not that was something that would work for him. Well, I think that's perfect. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I laid out a boundary. And if he wasn't comfortable with the boundary, then we had to reevaluate that space, the relationship, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like it. And it was an invitation. The conversation was not, <clears throat> I'm never coming down here. I don't like this. I'm not doing this. It was an invitation that here's where I'm at. Does that suit you? Because if not, we've got to figure out something different. Well, and some people would not have said that. They would have said nothing. They would have been quiet and withheld, which is a form right. of verbal abuse, withholding. Then once they moved into the house and things got put into the basement, they would have then just not gone down. And if the partner had asked them to go down, they might have said yes. Or I forgot. Or yeah, I forgot. Or I'll do it tomorrow. I'm sore. Yeah. And, and then all of the avoidance issues come forward because of because of that. And there's the pattern. Yeah, and now, 10 years later, wait, they confront you. And you're like, I never really wanted to go down there to begin with since the day we looked at it. Yeah. But do they make it their partner's fault? Well, I never wanted to go down there to begin with. And they're mad at the partner mm -hmm. instead of being able to see within themselves, wait, this lies with me because I was dishonest, mm -hmm. because I withheld from my partner how I truly felt about the basement. And that is something that I all, this is a key word I always push in, in life coaching or ask people to become familiar with is invitation. Create conversations that invite someone for ideas, invite someone for different perspectives. You can offer your own and invite them to entertain the idea and then ask how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, there doesn't have to be strong I statements, strong you statements. There's an invitation mm -hmm. to be a part of something or to say, no, thank you. And if there's an invitation and it's met with withholding, if it's met with diverting, if it's met with the 15 forms of verbal abuse, that's when you know you're not in a relationship. Right. And you are disillusioned. Right. And that's what came through in those sessions for her was cool. the ability to start seeing disillusionment. Okay. I want to go on to another one that was really, really cool. Uh, medium. 
she and I, I'm saying she again because I'm I'm not putting it around just this one person who asked me to do this. We got it. But other people, sometimes in sessions when the, a, a person was coming because there was a divorce happening or a separation that was beginning, people who'd crossed over came through to say, "Honey, I know. I know what you're going through." Um, I, I not necessarily that they went through it or that they could be compassionate in that way, but they could say. I know what, that you're looking for an apartment instead of a house. I know that you're scared or I know that you're angry or I know this is why you are. This is what you've gone through. I know you bought a blue car on Saturday afternoon and it's your first by yourself. Good for you. And give them encouragement. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it meant everything and, and huge things for people that someone who'd crossed over a dad, doesn't matter, just somebody in their life knew what they were going through because they miss them. And sometimes when we're going through something hard, like the separation or the divorce, we miss those people more. I think sometimes too, it's just important to know that you're seen because yes. you can feel like the person in the divorce, especially if you're dating a narcissist where the rest of the city thinks they're a wonderful person, you know how that goes. Um, you don't feel seen. You don't yeah. feel heard. And when the medium stuff happens where people say, you know, I saw you by the blue car. Yeah. I rode home with you. There's a feeling of connection again. There's oh, a feeling yeah. of coming outside of that isolation mm-hmm. uh, that just kind of opens the door slightly to wanting to make human connection again. Because yeah. for a long time, you don't want it. Yeah. And you do. You need to be alone with your thoughts for a cert- to a certain degree and alone in your own space to kind of reclaim your own thoughts and your own space. Um, but then connection has to happen again at some point. I like that because you're talking about being okay with a human isolation. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about getting connected to yourself again, getting connected to the, your, your beliefs or your spirit world or whatever you want to call all of that, that because that's big. Your own intuitiveness nature like there's there's so many different things here that you can take that time to get reconnected to mm-hmm. so it can be a great and foundation as maybe as opposed to where your foundation was at the beginning of that particular marriage yeah so now you're creating a new one but I'm not saying that you have to go back out for another marriage just for the new you mm-hmm. okay so that was the medium part because in some of her sessions And people sessions, when they're going through these uh, life-changing times, they want to know the people who crossed over that love them still love them, who were there for them, are still there for them. So I know you're hearing the verb tenses, were, are, past and present, which brings me to my next thing that she talked about. She loved the fact that some of the sessions, we could be psychic. So that because we do so many different things, that she could also, on occasion, when she felt it, because she said at the beginning she couldn't, she was still stuck, and not, or not stuck, she was still processing past. And every little once in a while, she'd get thrown something about her future. And I, and, and I think sometimes people want, want that because it gives them hope. So it gives, it gives purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember for one person, they were told that they were going to move out of town eventually. And it was like, nope, can't see that. I have a job here. My kids are here. My spouse is here. And I was like, no, there's going to be a move with your career in a couple of years. 
And it's not going to matter because at that point, your children will be old enough to be either on their own or in university or doing whatever, but that it's going to be nicely timed. And, um, and for other people, it's not nicely timed. I remember saying to one person, you're going to pick up and go. Um, and you're not going to go with your children, you're going to leave them with your spouse. And you're going to create a, a new life. But don't worry, because when they go to university, you're going to get them back because they're going to go to university where you live. Mm-hmm. And they are going to come and live with you for a little while. And it was like, oh, I, I could do that. Yeah. If I know that I'm moving to another city to get a job and a house and a car, and I've got time to start all that, I want to lose some weight. I want to, you know, I want to read, I want to do all these new things. I've always wanted to travel. And they get that kind of time. And you mean to say that my sons are going to come live with me then? Yes, I'm totally good with giving my kids to her for the next four years then while I get my shit together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that can be such a beautiful way then that there's no fight for the kids. That you can see the bigger picture for all of that. So the psychic stuff gave them or gave her and different people pieces of a future, whether it was that they wanted to hear that there could be another partner at some point, or a move out of a city, um, or a move with a career or some of those or go back to school, there's all kinds of different things, or just the fact that they could see a pattern and they knew the pattern was going to change. So do you mean I'm not going to keep marrying the same kind of woman? Like, do you mean I don't have to go through that again? So when you do that work, pull all that in and you see that your future can be different than your past it gives you kind of a different reason to get up in the morning well it's hope yeah and it's what people lose in when they just see loss yeah and it ought and that's why i was talking about the importance of connection is because hope comes when you make connection Mm-hmm. we're at the bottom of our list we are okay. and, and you know um we always ask people after listening to the show, that if they have anything to contribute about what they got out of a session, or what they, their feedback from, you know, what we share today, with one person who asked me to do this show probably four times before we we did it, and where she sat down and really took her time to go through how it benefited her in different ways because of the different gifts. It's not just solidly a medium or solidly connecting Uh, with one aspect, the medical or the future, but how all of the different gifts at different times through all of those seven years, she was able to come in and sometimes she knew what she needed and which the gifts she needed. And sometimes she had no clue. So she just opened it up and trusted that my spirit guides and spirit world will give me what I need. Mm -hmm. And they might kick my ass and say, it's time to go to counseling again. Off she'd go. It's time to go to a medical doctor. Off she'd go. Go get a book. Go do this. She got directed in different ways. And sometimes I think those types of check-ins felt, helped her feel, like you said, connected to something and grounded. Mm-hmm. I, um, I don't want to end the podcast without mentioning that uh, the importance of recording. Oh, because yeah. a lot of people sit down in their sessions and they'll say, oh, no, it's okay. I'm just going to sit here and, and be calm and listen. That's fine, but we don't listen well. We're not, we're not trained to listen well. And even at that, you know, we've got people from military who are trained to listen in very particular ways. Uh, but 
they forget. You get stressed by a piece of information that either shocked you or pissed you off. <laughs> and, and the rest of the hour is gone. Yeah. Because you're subconsciously or consciously completely focused on that one piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're excited and shocked by something, right? The recording is so important, especially with all the confusion, especially with all of the anxiety. Uh, and also to get your affirmations, as we've heard in so many podcasts, things that happen years later that you said in a session, nope, that's not correct. Nope, that, that'll never happen. The recordings actually show evidence mm-hmm. and evolution, mm-hmm. e- evidence of your growth. I have some clients that have seen me for those seven, nine years that have gone through the second marriage and the second divorce and the third marriage and the third divorce in that period of time that have come back and said, okay, I've gone back and I've listened to the, to the tapes and there's maybe 20, 30, 40 tapes now. Um, and they, they can see the pattern and yeah. they'll say to me, Jesus, you told me seven years ago that I was a withholder. And I don't think so because I'm a people pleaser. I give, give, give. I always make people happy. So how could I be a withholder? I totally thought you were full of shit, Karen. And it's like, and oh my God, if I didn't see what you meant by the withholding, I withhold, I withheld telling them what I thought. I I I felt Yes. And it was like to make them happy. Now I understand why three relationships later, what you meant by my pattern. So you, I, I love the fact that you brought up the voice recordings, not so much, well, I mean, I love it because it gives us the affirmations, but more importantly, it makes those sessions even more valuable. Yeah. And it, and it instills their, their trust, right? When they, when you can hear accuracy, even if it is seven years later, it puts the trust back in this entire process. Yeah. Uh, even when you didn't have it at the time. Yeah. And it is a very different process because of the combination of gifts. I really, really believe that, Kelly. Yeah. Because it is, and I don't know how unique it is to have a medium that's also psychic, medical, intuitive, past lives, patterns, soul contracts. Yeah. So many different areas, life coaching for you, for you. So many different areas of this to be able to put that together in such a way. In a half an hour. Yeah. And for a total stranger to walk in and not even tell us a single thing about what they've been through mm-hmm. and to have to hit the nail on the head that accurately that fast because really she ge- has given me countless sessions to help her some people will only give us one half hour or one hour mm-hmm. and they they do they want to say and how much does that cost me well and and I think too another point is that some people will say I'm open to everything and that can be true, that they can be completely comfortable with all of the different modalities, but they're not ready. Yeah. They can, it can all be said and they can be open to the words floating around in the room, but not necessarily ready to digest any of it. Well, and I, I, I said cost because some people might think, oh, gee, she got hung up on getting paid. That's not what I meant. No, no. People get it's... hung up on, go ahead. Well, some, um, you know, $60 or it's 115 or whatever it is for time. But what is the real cost? Is it seven more years? Is it three more divorces? Is it three more legal bills? Is it three more houses to be bought and sold? Or $60 of sanity and to be told that you're not crazy. Yeah, there's, there's such a different, and I was trying to say the cost, 
but really catch people in what that word really means. What it's costing your soul, what it's costing in a lifetime. And your children's, Mm -hmm. your parents, your friends, your job, all of it. Branding? We're done. Okay. So if, uh, as always, if you want to submit any questions or comments about today's podcast, you can do so at info at bysarlo.com and also complete new ideas for podcasts. Uh, We thank you for joining us and we will. Oh, I just wanted to say a thanks before you just say the final ending to um, the the lady that asked us to do the show. Oh my gosh. Because her intention and, and all of it was because she got so much benefit out of this, she wanted to be able to share it with other people. She is an educator. Yes. (laughs) That is her main goal in life. And I think she did a great job. Yeah. Uh, So thank you for listening. We will talk to you again on Saturday morning.